listening to the Chronic Sisters podcast with your hosts, Sean and Jess. Thank you so much, guys. We had such beautiful feedback from our most recent episode. Everyone said they learnt a lot, which was the aim. It's so we always are the aim. very happy with that. To validate and educate is and what we're here for. That's so. us, guys. That's the motto. Um, this week is a very exciting week. Yes. We are interviewing, for those of you who don't know, Harrison Kefford, who is a 26-year-old boy who lives over east and he battles uh, an array of chronic illnesses just like your gals. Absolutely. So we will be talking to him. But first, it's the Fun Fact Follow-Up. And uh, we don't have any. We don't have any. We just We've sung got, it for you because yeah. <laughs> we thought that you'd like to hear it. But it definitely from our poll is that the live one is staying. So you guys loved it so much that we've kept it in for you. And you just got yourself another live edition. For free. For free. <laughs> With nothing With else. With nothing to follow up. <laughs> but you're welcome. But you're welcome. But without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Harrison and hear what he has to say. <laughs> Hey Harrison, how's it going? <laughs> Welcome to the Chronic Sisters podcast. Thank you so much for giving up your Wednesday. No problem. I think we're all a bit hot and flustered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, it's 40 degrees here in Perth and we are literally melting. I Jess and see. I have Jess and I have cool and soothe gel packs stuck to our spines trying to it's cool not, down it's our not doing enough. Cool down our central nervous system, but it's um it's quickly melting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a wild ride. I'm quite red and uh, rosy, <laughs> like I've run a race, but the race is just living, I guess, today. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you can't out. expect too much sometimes. Oh, my God. Mm. But thank you so much, Harrison. Um, and we obviously found you on the wonderful World Wide Web on TikTok. Yes. Um, love your content. I've been a huge fan um, what's that thing when you say like long time, long time long watcher, time listener, have first, first time, time comment or long time follower? I don't know. I don't know. Like anyway, I've been creeping on your TikTok for a while. Yeah. Um, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> so your TikTok has actually gained some pretty impressive traction mm -hmm. over the last year or so. How do you feel that your story has kind of been received on TikTok? Um, overall, it's been. I think good and bad overwhelming. I don't know if that makes sense. I think the large, like the general consensus every time I read comments or like I wake up most days and I have DMs from people. Um, yeah. Like 99% of them are really good. And then there's like the one person slips through and they're like, screw you or fuck you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, always a troll. Um, but like overall, it's been really good. And I think good comes in a way that's, like it's made me feel more like a level of importance and like yeah. um, validated. Empowering yeah, in yeah. two ways. Empowering because I've never really viewed myself as like being disabled. I've always really viewed myself as being just chronically ill. And I think mm -hmm. yeah. um, a friend of mine, she has been really helpful in just being like, no, you should really be able to identify yourself as being disabled now because disabled or the general understanding of being disabled has always been like, quite frankly, like you're in a wheelchair or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's how society yeah. has viewed the word disabled. But now it's more just like, no, if there are like disabling barriers to your life, you're disabled. And I think, yeah, I just yeah. ultimately feel like my TikTok or my profile or my presence on the app has made me just feel so much better about my place in the world. We right. love that. 
And that's our whole podcast is about that. We both live with lots of chronic illnesses, disabilities, but you can't often see them. Correct. And so that's mm-hmm. what this whole thing is about. And we just did an episode last week actually on ableism and how mm-hmm. the able-bodied and the neurotypical are favoured in society and about creating a space for all of us who don't necessarily fit in. You're going to love, if you manage to go on TikTok after we've finished or even if you pulled up right now, you are going to love the last two TikToks that I just posted because somebody... I watched them last night. No, no, no. There's, <laughs> two, there's been two new ones oh, in the past hour. What? Since last night? He's a yeah. fast creator. No, Fucking quick. someone that's... You'll see the comment and you'll it'll immediately um, get your back up. And the guy's now since deleted his comment because everyone else has been like... Yes. Back yes. So it's so Clicks good. to the internet. We yes. love that. We love that. <laughs> All right. We'll definitely look, we'll we'll look, look after this episode for yeah. sure. Absolutely. But it's also very interesting in that you're navigating through your own identity, right? With your chronic illness and your disability. And it's mad, like if you actually said it out loud that you are talking about your personal vulnerabilities on a mass, like on a mass global international Mm. app to the public, and then you're actually getting good, like a good validating feedback Mm. of your own identity, that's madness in terms of like it shouldn't happen like that. It actually should because w- right everything that you're taught throughout your life is that if you talk about yourself that in a different way that's not the able body, mm. you expect negative backlash, right? Because mm. you're stepping out of this norm. Yeah. But to actually fully embrace who you are and just say it with pride and to explore that identity is massive, and and to add to the fact that. You're a guy also. I mean, it's something that we can't avoid. Mm. You're a male. We're mm. female. Girls love a chat. Mm. We love to divulge information to each other. Stereotypically and socially, men have less of a an audience or an environment to feel safe in that. And I think what you're doing on TikTok is not only breaching the conversation around chronic illness, but it's also breaching a conversation about being a man with a chronic illness because of the whole identity that's attached or that social pressure that's attached with being a guy mm. to then step out from that and say you're hurting or that you're unwell mm. is massive. And I, I I just want to applaud you for that because yeah, it's very, very- Yeah, and you're very, the first very... guy on our podcast, yes. which is serious? so cool. Yeah, yeah you're 100%. The other day and I'm like, you know what? I haven't seen too many dudes. Exactly. Yes. But also like, I don't necessarily view my, like it in that way. Like it's it's awesome that you view like it me being like a man and in, in the space like being able to use my voice it's like quite foreign it's not very much heard of but like someone actually asked this on a TikTok live um you know maybe like two weeks ago about this same sort of thing and I mm. the way my response is like I just view myself as everyone else like not not necessarily in like a male female what however I identify sort of thing mm. but I understand that um there is probably some importance in and I probably have like not like power or more, just like more influence being a man in hoping that other dudes can probably see that it's okay to talk about their stuff. That <laughs> thought has never really sat with me before and it's quite foreign for me to be like, you know what, maybe there is more scope or some importance to me actually being like, and talking more about the fact that I am a dude that is okay with being vulnerable on the internet and it is okay for other guys and men to be vulnerable in the internet. So I've never really thought about it. So maybe it's something that I need to work on this year or whatever. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you need yeah. to plant that seed and yeah. journal the shit out of it because honestly, from some, from two girls who 
the similar thing happened to us in that we were just talking shit about our lives and our experience. <laughs> it's something we do, we experience every day and have done for our whole lives. We thought nothing of it. Like we were like, surely people aren't wanna, gonna wanna listen to this. And then to actually be like, we've been craving this discussion. Thank you so much for opening this door. You're actually opening so many doors of conversation that you don't even know about. So yeah, yeah. I, I just want you to like, really just sit in that, that you are doing amazing things just by being yourself on such a global platform. And it's amazing. I, I, it's so, it's whatever. No, I, I never really know. Everyone's like, no, you're really good at taking compliments and stuff like that. I'm like, I suck at taking compliments. I never really know what to say. I think I'm saying the wrong thing. I often feel uh. like I'm not as influential as what I people make me out to be, particularly in the past like 12 months when things have blown up. But like, it's going to be an ongoing thing for me to try and accept that maybe I I am important. Yeah. And like, you are. Absolutely. So I don't know. It's something I've got to work on. But I, it really does mean a lot to you for you both to say that so thank you so much yeah and it's like us we never think we're doing anything special either and then it's like when people in 19 countries listen to you you're like (laughs) oh okay maybe maybe people do want to listen yeah okay fine (laughs) and you know what because we're a part of a, a community that you know stereotypically we try and avoid attention because you know, we, we've grown up or we've experienced the attention to be a negative thing, right? Mm. So we never really want to be like, look at me, look at me, because it's always been for the wrong reasons previously, perhaps. So to actually take on a compliment is is very hard. And that's not that's not unheard of. And it's not un, unnormal. But I think there's so much power in actually embracing the fact that yeah, you you have strength and you you have purpose mm. and your purpose is amazing. And I just, yeah, I'm so excited to finally get to talk to you face to face. Well, you know, virtual face to face. But to like actually like chat to you on, you know, a more of a vulnerable level because obviously TikTok is max 60 seconds or whatever it is. But like, yeah. you know, I think you have so much more to say and I'm so excited well, to get into I, it. I can, I can talk. I, I think you've been on my lives before quite yeah. often. I'm like, I'm going to be in there for like an hour or something like that. And it'll be like at eight yeah. o'clock and they go to like 1am in the morning. I'm like, I, I stop. I've got to get off. I'm too tired. Time out. Like, I need to sleep. Who am I? Before we keep going, I feel like for the people, Shana and I know about you mm, and yeah. your life and your chronic illness story. But can you tell everyone else what, especially what your last 12 months have looked like mm. and where you're kind of at now and, and a bit about your chronic illness background? Okay, so I think in the past 12 months, I think I've certainly gotten to a level where I'm a lot more comfortable with my overall health and stuff like that. And it, it's quite, although I'm okay with it, there's still so much personally that like I need to work on. And um, like every single day is... I'm not, I'm sure I wouldn't need to tell you it's a battle. Like every single hour is a battle, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the past 12 months, I was recently diagnosed with osteoporosis, which I think for like 20 something year old, or not, not for like just a 20 something year old, but even people younger than that, like everyone of all different ages can be diagnosed with osteoporosis. But I think mm. for me, and just as like society has imposed this view that osteoporosis is largely like an older person's older women. Yeah. That's what it, that's, yeah, so, like, you know. Cause you're less frail and oh yeah you're more frail and stuff like that and when i was diagnosed with that um which was onset by taking steroids and prednisolone for like god since i was since i finished year 12 in 2012 um mm. so i've been on steroids on and off 
yeah, since 2012, which is not good, but without them, I, I, I probably, I don't want to say that I wouldn't be here, but in the same way, I probably wouldn't be here because steroids are incredible. But yeah, that, that, that osteoporosis was brought on by the steroids. And when I was diagnosed with that at the same point, at the same time, I just decided to start TikTok. And um, so that's been my past 12 months with that. I also have Crohn's disease. And so that's why you were on the steroids originally? Yeah, because of my Crohn's. Yeah. When it flares up, it's like one of the best ways to manage or con to con um, contain a flare. So, um, and I also have a condition called PSC, so primary, primary sclerizing cholangitis, which is quite a mouthful. Wow. Glad it's got an acronym. Yes, which is the liver disease. Um, so they're both sort of linked, the Crohn's and the PSC. Um, mm -hmm. And then I also have a neuropathy, which is called um, chronic inflamed demyelinating polyneuropathy. And um, that was hell when I was originally diagnosed with it. Um, I, had to mm. I had to go to rehab. I had pretty much every test under the sun um, to get diagnosed with it. And I go and have every two weeks... I go into an oncology ward where I have my treatment for it, which is IVIG, which is a blood product, which is an infusion. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay. It's reasonably well, reasonably well managed. Oh, and I have an essential tremor as well. So my hands, my, my limbs are quite shaky at times. In my mm -hmm. videos, sometimes people will be like, why are your hands shaking? And I'm like, well, I'm not nervous. It's more just that my essential tremor is really wild today and it looks like I'm yeah. absolutely pinging off like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can be taken the wrong way sometimes, yes. depending on the context. That's... So what were some of the symptoms that you had at the beginning of your health journey that led you to reach out for some help from the medical field? Well, I was doing my year 12 English exam and I rocked right. up to school and I was in my library with all the other year 12 students and... My friends at the time, incredibly switched on, loved them, great. But I, it never would have dawned on me that they were really looking at me as a person, especially mm. being all dudes. Like, we're all just like, you know, you're okay, you're well, there's mm. nothing wrong with you. But I remember we were standing there and we were like 40 minutes before going into our English exam and they all looked at me and they were like, dude, you just look like, you look yellow. You look like you're out of The Simpsons or something. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And they were like... <laughs> Dude, you look like you're yellow. You know, your eyes are really black, but your skin looks yellow. And I'm like, nah, what? And then the VCE coordinator walks in and she grabs me and she's like, yeah, you look unwell. And I'm like, I don't feel unwell. But then mm. I'm like 40 minutes out from my English exam. I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe I should just play into this a little bit because if it's going <laughs> to give me some exemption, then I'm going to, or like, I'm going to get some extra like credit or something like that, then uh. sure. <laughs> Um, so then, um, yeah, she was like, let's take you away and let's just go talk for a minute and see if you're okay. And, um, it all just sort of spiraled from there. I was then, uh, I went home, went to the doctors and they basically were like, you're incredibly unwell. You're jaundiced, which is what, um, makes you yellow. Yeah. Um, and I like at that point I lost, um, a lot of weight. I think about five kilos in like two weeks or something. I wasn't eating very well. I wasn't sleeping very well. Um, I did some blood tests and all those sort of things. And, um, yeah, I was really unwell without really knowing. And then it just sort yeah. of spiraled from there. It's crazy. I mean, you know, it, sometimes it, because you progressively get sicker, Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're not diagnosed at the time. Your tolerance just shifts, doesn't yeah. it? You just so, start to accept new things yeah. that are happening. Your norm is shifted continually. When you do get a diagnosis, it can almost be like this 
weird experience of relief but also sadness at the same time of like there's there's a reason for what's going on I mean the fact that you didn't feel like you were unwell is you know quite common especially for early stage of jaundice where so basically for those of you that don't know about jaundice it's where your liver creates um bilirubin and it breaks through into your blood barrier into your bloodstream sorry um and it deposits in um your skin and in your eyes so that's when you can see for babies especially they can also get jaundice um um, newborn baby jaundice and so your eyes can turn yellow this it's called the sclera in your eyes it's the white part um, and your skin can become yellow and that's basically because you have a high level of bilirubin um, in your bloodstream um, and that's not supposed to be there obviously because why would that why would you be yellow unless you're a Simpson character? And so that can give an indication for doctors of where to look when they're starting to test. And so that can be quite a common symptom for liver irritation um, or your liver's not functioning properly because your liver is supposed to filtrate that out. And so that then circles around your bloodstream and it can go into places it's not supposed to be, which is basically anywhere but the liver. <laughs> yeah. So, or your poop. Yes, or you poop. Could you poop it out? Um, I also just, Harrison, listening to you, like our stories are so similar. Like I got really sick in year 12 too, but everyone's like, eh, it's stress, you're doing six, whatever you guys call it, HSC or TE or from England. I don't You're do. doing six of those subjects. Oh, it's stress, it's stress. You got barley belly when you were with your Nana doll. That's what happened to you. And I was like, mm, don't think so. Anyway, I got sicker, got sicker, got sicker. And like now I'm the same. So I've got just only last month been diagnosed, no, two months ago now with lupus. So I'm on steroids too for flare-ups. So I just finished a round of pred. And so I just like, I feel you on a whole new level, mate. Like, did you start, is, what, what dose real. did you start on? And now you've like I weaned down? I started on, yeah, yeah. So I, I, it wasn't too hardcore, just 25 milligrams for this one. Because it was hardcore. just, <laughs> still pretty hardcore. Yeah. I'm um, loving the drug chat. I know. Yeah, just 25. What did you guys do? What did you do? Um, but even like when you're talking obviously about IVIG, like I, I'm an intensive care nurse. So obviously I know exactly what IVIG does and how it works. But you know, that's not a short infusion either no. that you're expected to have. And like it takes that's a while. That's a long infusion and, and you're there, you're saying once every fortnight having this now as an ongoing treatment. Like how does that feel going in and out every fortnight for that? Like, and well, especially with COVID at the moment over there in Melbourne. Yeah. I love talking about going into hospital, particularly going into oncology for me because I actually view not just the, the oncology ward, but hospital, the, way, the, the one that I go to is like a really safe space for me. I That's lovely, by the way. Yeah, no, it's, really it's nice a very powerful like thing because there's a lot of people that view hospitals and as a very traumatic, but also just a very negative space. And I think that mm -hmm. that's okay because there's for some reason and it, it's a very traumatic place for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, as much as it's very exhausting on my body, particularly not when I'm having the treatment, but particularly like a few hours after and 24 to 36 hours after because your body's trying to figure out what this shit is that's being infused into mm. your blood and in your body. It's like, well, wh where do I store this? What do I, what, what is it? It's not normal. You know, it only happens once every two weeks, but the overall experience of it all has totally changed who I am. And it's not just about getting the IVIG for me. It's also about, in particular, learning about like the hospital environment, but also I just have such a greater appreciation for the nurses in there 
in particular. Like I love them so much, and it's mo it's mm. it's incredibly emotional for me because like they're I've seen um God like ten plus just turn over in a sense like they've moved on or they've just left mm. and there's only one there now and her name is Charlotte and she has been there since the very big since the very first appointment that I went into with my dad and she is literally like the loveliest person like one of the loveliest people that I think not not, not just I've ever met but I think I will ever meet and like Aww, it was only on Monday that I I needed help with navigating um, something that's possibly going to change for me and my health stuff. I, I don't want to distract you. I don't want to stray away from your time. I know you're incredibly busy in here, but is there possible that you could do or help me out, figure this thing? And she's like, she's like, Harrison, I will do anything for you. You know, let me just figure this out. Although I'm busy, it's like, this is my job, you know? So yeah, there's so much yeah. that I could talk about in terms of getting the IVIG and being in there. But I think that's the most simple way to put it for me, I think. Yeah. So. That's so lovely, especially for us, because obviously we're... We are nurses. We are nurses. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, we can't speak for Charlotte, but I can only assume by the small story that you've told us is that that is exactly why we became nurses, mm -hmm. is to help people exactly like you. And, you know, I've had families in my career that I would honestly walk over hot coals for mm. um, because that's just part of who we are as professionals. And, you know, nursing is a caring profession. And I just, I'm very happy to hear that someone who's come into the chronic space later in life has a positive connotation of being in hospital. Mm. Because like you said, it can be a very negative space mm -hmm. and a very traumatic space for some people. And I'm super happy for you that you feel that that's your safe space. Um, because, you know, for me, I grew up, since I was 18 months old in and out of hospital mm. and you got like this 50 50 of you're either repulsed and repelled from hospitals or you go into the medical profession um, yeah so there's no in between you no either in between. are one of them at the end or you have Hate them. significant trauma and <laughs> yes. never step foot near one ever again yeah this <laughs> so is, that's, isn't uh, me saying honestly, that I've never had um negative experiences or very bad experiences where I'm like, holy shit, I never want to be here ever again. Because I have had a few, but ultimately, like, it's been very, like, yeah, like a safe space for me. Because I think everyone, I have encountered really horrible people in terms of, like, I've had a, I've had a few horrible nurses or a few just mm -hmm. healthcare workers. But I think mm -hmm. for me, I, I've only ever got angry really one time in hospital. And, it, like, mm. angry in a sense, like, I couldn't care less if you're the nicest nurse in the world. I've actually, I've had, I've accidentally felt like I've wanted to take my anger out on you. And it was only one time that I was really fed up after like just giving so much like leeway with something, you know? So yeah, I think that's why I view it as just like a very positive space because I'm quite a, I don't think I'm very, I don't think I'm very difficult to deal with. I'm very much like, <laughs> even if I think that like the other person is at fault in the hospital, like the nurse has done something wrong, I'm like, okay, just relax. We'll sort it out. You know, yeah. it's okay. Oh, you're a lovely patient. I yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Not to pump up my own gears, but I really think I am actually really <laughs> Easy to do it. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? I hope I hope that remains um, because so you know <laughs> if it's going to be such a large part of your life, and especially in the world we're living in currently. Yes, yes I yes. hope that that continues for many many more years for you. Um, and well, I wish the, more patients were like you. Landscape of going into hospital, it mm. is at times sometimes quite lonely or isolating because I think I I don't know what what it's like up for you up in Perth, but here. Um, they're actually not allowing just like anyone to go into hospitals in terms of visitors or you're not mm. really allowed company at all when you're having your infusions. Whereas like 
two or three years ago, you could have, like, two people come in and sit with you, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. They're limiting the amount of people that are actually having treatment at the one time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only real, like, communication or friends or company I have are, like, the nurses, which is why I, I think it's great of me to have, you know, almost view these nurses as, like, friends because, you know, they've seen me, like, break down in there and um, mm. on my good days and bad days. And um, I think it's, yeah, it's important. It's, it's been really important for me to view them as friends because, you know, I can talk to them and often, like, the only other bit of communication I have is through my phone on TikTok or mm, yeah, texting yeah, someone yeah. or something, you know? So And it's weird, man. Nurses have no filters. So you can talk no, to them about right. anything and everything, which is a great thing. And it's probably why Sean and I became such good friends so quickly. And, mm. yeah, it is a wild, wild ride. And that's, like... Like Sean and I were saying, we get in the lift at work and people clearly listen to us and they get in there t- start telling us about their therapy appointments and you're like, whoa, but they just forget that. See you in your scrubs, know who you are, what you do. And like, you know, I also work in palliative care, so I deal with death every yeah, wow. day and I'm very comfortable in that space and talking about people's greatest fears around that. And mm. and so sometimes out of nowhere, people will just have these hardcore conversations that struck you, but that's why you get into nursing at the mm. end of it. Like if you can hold that space for someone who is vulnerable or who isn't allowed visitors in the time that we're living in. Mm. And if you can be that person in that space, like that's exactly why we do it. And it's so nice to hear such a positive. Totally. Uh, and uh, you're like the patient side of it. Yeah. Right. And it's the same that's thing powerful. that we tell junior doctors, um, don't piss off the nurses. So <laughs> if you want to, so if for junior doctors out there, um, who are starting their rotations, um, do not piss off the nurses because nurses will make your life Hell. so much easier or so much more difficult. It's so, so it's true. very, very important to be nice to your nurses. And that's my TED talk. <laughs> that's, that's a hot tip from <laughs> Sister Shan. Oh, it's super That's important. my TED talk. <laughs> oh, I mean, also, just don't be rude. I mean, also, don't be a rude person. Yeah, don't just don't be an asshole. That's what half this podcast is yeah. about. Just be kind and nice to people, just, and we'll we'll be good. Yeah. But Harrison, you just also mentioned a bit about you were talking to Charlotte about what your next twelve months might look like and what the future might look like for you and your um, disease management and ongoing treatment. What does the next chapter for you look like or might look like? I think the obviously the, share as much as you want yeah, to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, um, look, I, I'm pretty open on TikTok, so it'd be it'd be quite foreign for me, or you know, irresponsible for me, or whatever the right word is for me to not be like, well, if I'm sharing on TikTok, then talking about it on here. But I think the the biggest thing for me is going to be possibly a massive life change in um, with my Crohn's, in that I've been on five different treatments for it, and um, I'm on my fifth one now, which is a drug called tofacitinib, which is four tablets a day, so I take two in the morning and two at night time. And um, that treatment, in what I feel like, isn't isn't working. Um, mm. And I recently discussed, as, as recent as Monday, to my GI and that I am possibly exploring just going down the surgery route and getting an ileostomy, um, so a stoma, mm-hmm. um, because I'm just, I'm incredibly fed up and I'm, I'm five different treatments that are quite intense on your body is not yeah. good. It's not good, you know, yeah. different side effects totally. and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, last January it was mentioned to me and I got in the car with my dad because my dad came to that meeting. He never, my parents never come to any of my appointments, but I said to dad, why don't you come this time? Because we were both fed up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah it was mentioned that surgery was an option for me or it was a possibility. And, um, I was like, please, I don't want this as someone that's 26 mm. years old. Um, 
you know, or in their 20s still wanting to enjoy life. I think everyone wants to enjoy life yeah. at all different ages, but I think your 20s is largely associated with, like, wanting to enjoy life and doing as much as possible and mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to just ignore everything else. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, but, yeah, I think I've more in the past, like, six months, with the help of a couple of people in particular, through TikTok and talking to, to people and just researching that, I think surgery is probably appropriate for me now. And, look, it's not... This hasn't been signed off on, but um, mm. the fact that it's already been mentioned to me and the surgeon that did my last colonoscopy, who would do the surgery, um, mm. he mentioned to me, look, it's inevitable. You're probably going to need it very soon. Let's just do it. And I was like, no, mate, I don't want to do this. But now yeah. I've come around to the fact that it's it's probably appropriate to do now. So I'm just waiting for everyone to be like, yes, this is what we're going to do. And then I can be like, well, yeah. let's just do it. So I'm literally sitting here with... um pamphlets next to me i've got stoma bags sitting right next to me right now every like 20 minutes i keep looking at them you know yeah it's all in my room at the moment so i'm just working through it but that's probably the biggest sort of thing in the next 12 months for me yeah and like sure. i literally have nothing else i have things on my schedule but like in terms of mental focus and just like my yeah. entire focus that is my immediate focus at that moment and i've not that i've cut people off that's probably not the right way to put it it's more just like for the first time in a long time, I feel like I'm... I put myself first a little bit because it's a very big life change. Um, mm, it's huge, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably the, the most immediate thing for me. And, and it's so hard, like, um, obviously for people who aren't medical and d- don't know what a stoma is, it's where you pull <clears throat> your intestine to the outside of your body and an ileostomy is higher up, so your smaller intestine where a colonoscopy Oh, sorry, I got the hiccups. That's a wild ride. I just like I just aspirated I was watching on my own saliva. Like, I was like, it's fully coming, struggle but it's then. I was like, I'm st- I am not doing any CPR on you, no, mate. No, soz doll. But that's when your large bowel comes out, so it's more of a formed stool. And like for me, I touch stomas all the time. Like, Same. Yeah. We we're like all over that. Could talk about them all day. We've got lots of ticks and ticks. Uh, tips. No and ticks. Lots of tips. Not many ticks. No ticks. But they, you know, I. I just see kids thrive with them. And yeah. I know, I, I guess that's just a positive thing for you to hear. Like I see kids have such amazing quality of life. Just last week, a little, a baby got one four months wow. old and watching her learn to smile. Because she's not in week, pain. Because she's not in pain. Just something so, so simple at four months. I, I now look after this happy, well child who mm. has not slept, who's been crying 20 hours a day yeah. and just watching her thrive has just been amazing and your Crohn's would be a bit like uh, currently what I experience in that everywhere I go I have to find where there's a toilet because life is risky yeah. so risky and when there are deadlines they are short deadlines <laughs> and you just don't they're have even shorter time. than short. short deadlines they're shorter than short and like I'm talking a good like you you can you can share your experience so but for me a sh- a good day I might go I think today I've it's like midday over here yeah. um I think I've only been four times since midday mm. and I've only been up since eight so in four hours so four an hour every hour yeah um, and that's a good day for me um but yeah I'm talking like you know when so prior to year twelve. I like had a bit of like poo phobia where like I couldn't poo at a friend's house on a sleepover or uh, in public. But now there is, there is just, there is no shame. There's no barrier. No barrier anywhere. You've got to go. But literally I have to think about when I, where I park my car. Is my car close to a toilet? Today I had a baby shower at a uh, park on the beach and I was like, oh, 
I'm just going to park right near this toilet because I'm going to go before I go to the park and I'll stay at the park for an hour and then I'm going to go on the way back. Yeah. Do you keep like and- an emergency kit in your car, like with like a couple of pairs of underwear, some wipes and all that sort of stuff? I have knickers in the front zip of my work bag, yes, Um, and in my glove box, I do have a little toilet roll, uh, some hand sunny and a spare pair of knicks. That's the the best way to approach it. It's one of the best ways to approach it. No shame in that. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. I definitely, definitely carry all the above. I've been lucky in that. I've not had to use it. Although I've cried twice on the way home in the last probably two months. I've literally cried because I was so convinced I was going to poop myself on the way home Mm. in my car seat. And so I have cried twice about it, but yeah. And you are anyway. in a lot of pain a lot of the time as well. Yeah, like it's not, it's not, it's not comfortable. Like I've had to take a ventilated patient obviously back after having, you know, massive open heart surgery or massive brain surgery. And I remember just standing there taking handover and it just, like, it comes on, right? Mm. And so you're clammy and you're sweaty and it was all happening. I was like, I'm going to faint or poo myself in the middle of an intensive care unit. This is not a vibe. Oh. Like... Not good. Anyway, that we're just no filter here, and I'm just no telling filter. about my uh, bowel habits. Just so <laughs> we love that. Yeah, there you, is you no just... TMI in the IBD like gut issues. No, there's landscape. not. Or like you know what? I think it's it should just be like full stop. Like you would be surprised how many people are undiagnosed with some form of a gut issue that have no oh, idea. Oh yeah, mm. they just think they've so eaten something dodgy guts. or they've eaten ice cream or the coffee's yeah. gone down the wrong way or whatever. And mm. it's like no, yeah. you actually have something. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing, I'm yes. hearing a problem. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny. So many people actually think they've got IBS, but they might have IBD. And it's like, well, mm, yeah. I wish that there was some more like Better accessible way hey. to get ed- to get educated, but also like go and have a proper conversation with your GP. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just talk to someone who's medically trained yeah. rather than Google. Do you find also, this is just a, an IBD friend questiono, uh-huh. do you find my groceries are so expensive because I eat so much because it just flies out like it goes in and then I pay like $40 for a nice lunch and then half an hour it's out and I'm hungry again. The pregnancy will do that to you too. The oh, that'll, oh. That, did that make you proper sweaty? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I was dripping. Harrison, when I tell you this chick was hangry (laughs) when she was on pred, oh my, I could see her walking up because we, when we, when I was at work, we were working in the same office. She would be charging down the corridor and I could hear her and she was like, I need food. And because I have a chocolate chocolate tin tin. on my desk for my team or my old team, she like rooting through trying to find chocolates that she wanted every single time she walked past me. It's You're only good. on 25. Imagine on 50. 50 is no, like... No, I said I couldn't. I was I couldn't. eating... I, I reckon for breakfast when I was on 50 last time, so I started on 50, I was eating two wraps, like wraps with three eggs each, so six eggs <laughs> in the morning, then with with, with spinach, um, and then like I'd have a, a Fortisip, which is a nutritional supplement, and those yeah, things yeah, have yeah. a lot of calories in it too, and they're very yeah. Good. yeah. So that they too. pack a punch. And then two hours later, I was having lunch, and that might be that might be two sandwiches with stuff in it, and then oh I'd goodness. have another Fortisip, which is a shitload of calories too. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was just my tone for like a good month and a half until I was like weaned off everything. So 25. It's wild. You're not even at the top of it yet. No, exactly. And she was. This is just me in life. Like I just eat and then I poop it out and I eat and I poop it out. One time it was so bad that my mum didn't believe me. I was like, mum was like, you can't have just 
food out lunch. I was like, Mum, I have a formed hot chip and a spinach in the bowl Stop. if you'd like to see it. And Mum was like, you do not. And then I made my mum look at it. Like, honestly. <laughs> but her mum's a nurse. My so mum's a nurse fine. as well. It's all fine here. But honestly, that's how quick it is. And then my bill, like, I, I live alone and I think my <laughs> grocery bill is as much as a bloody family. Yeah, you do have. You do. I, so I much. thought you were going to say, is your bill more expensive because, like, naturally, like, healthier food options or food. Of course, is a lot more expensive. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I, because gluten free also. Gluten free too. So, yes, life is a bit more expensive. Being sick or healthy is. Fucking expensive, and I was so expensive. Amen. Like I just want a fucking ninety nine cent pasta yeah. or a nice bloody gluten free roll for a dollar, not seven dollars for a bit of cardboard. But even just to exist, <laughs> exactly last, cardboard. It is. Right? So last episode we were talking about ableism, and we talked about um, like in America they can't get married because otherwise they lose their benefits. And one of our listeners listened last week to the ableism. Um, episode and was talking about how she had to stop work because she was unwell and her husband was then the only sole provider for their family because he earned too much for her to receive a disability pay pension so they then went down from two paychecks to one with no ability to get extra help even though she needs multiple imaging Doctor's appointments, specialist appointments. Therapy, You know, drugs. like it is insane how much money we have to have just to exist at a minimum level. Mm. Like it's still, it boggles my mind completely. No, but I'm with another. you. I think even I'm on the DSP at the moment and even to get on that with all of my stuff was the most challenging. Uh, I, I remember like I use the analogy, but like if we're in like a 110 meter sprint with like everyone mm. else in the world in terms of like chronically ill-disabled, um, able-bodied people, like those able-bodied people are like three or four hurdles ahead of us. Oh, we're yeah. three or four hurdles behind, but we're mm. still trying to like manually walk or step over that one hurdle. Like that's how it is for yeah. us, you know, yeah. in trying to receive and get access to anything. They make support so difficult for literally anyone, but in particular, mm. like there was like that article. I couldn't, I can't remember if where it was, but like that guy, there was this guy that, was terminally um, ill with cancer or something. I don't know what form of cancer he had, but he mm. couldn't get access to the right support he needed. And it was like, I'm thinking to myself, what world do we fucking live in where this individual mm. has all these doctors and nurses and carers mm. being like, you need to give this person support and this person is terminally ill with like cancer mm. and he can't get access to support. Yeah. It's mad. There's so much paperwork that you have to fill in. It's difficult to complete. It's difficult to submit. You have to have certain people to sign it, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is also is our system is so understaffed and over needed. Like for me, so I had a hip replacement in November and I can't be seen by a physical therapist for hydrotherapy until the end of February. So luckily... I have access to family pools for no charge and I can do, you know, a hydrotherapy for myself by myself. But if I wasn't able to do that, I would either have to pay to go and enter a normal pool or not go and then have to wait until the end of February to access that therapy. Yeah, and put your which rehab is, four months behind. Which is crazy. It's 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 mad, and you know, I have no easy fix for it, so I can During complain about it. During a pandemic too, everything's a lot more. Yeah, yeah, exactly, 
Exactly. All right, let's get back on to you because that's why we're here. And yes, we want to talk you. about please you. Please get back on to me. Yeah, up. can we please start talking about me, please? Uh, so just scrolling that's through your Instagram. That's a joke, everyone. I don't like yeah. talking about me. <laughs> okay. We can talk about, we can sit here for five hours for all I can talk about shit. <laughs> so scrolling through your Instagram, um, I saw that you were heavily involved in like music. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? And I can see your vinyl record. For those of you at home listening, there is a wonderful display of vinyl records behind Harrison on his wall mm-hmm. and a whole stack pile that, cause I've watched your live when you were going through it and where your records sat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, tell us about, cause music seems to be a huge part of your life. It was a huge part of my life. I'm going to use the word was. I'm very select in the words that I use and I fight with my mm-hmm. words. So if you, if you hear me trying to figure out what, getting stuck with things, it tends to be my mind being like, what is the most appropriate word here? But I use the word mm-hmm. was because I've now gotten to a point with it where, or I was, I was incredibly burnt out with um, things at the end, at the start of 2012. No, sorry, 2020, mm. sorry. Mm-hmm. And it's why I quit. I just needed to get out. There were things that happened in um, the year before. And um, although 2019 was a very big year and it was a very successful year, um, it was incredibly taxing on me mentally and my body in particular um, mm. with the bands that I worked with. And, um, yeah, I look, overall, it was an incredible time and period of my life. And it, it pushed me way out of my comfort zone I learned mm. a lot, not just about myself, but other people. <laughs> yeah. Um, what it, was it that you were doing? What was the role? Oh, so I start. Well, I started out yeah, as a, a journalist or a music writer at the very start of things. Then after that, mm-hmm. um, just natural progression or wanting to be challenged with things. I was like, no, I need to do something different. Um, I then went up to a festival called Big Sound in Brisbane, which is the, like one of the biggest music um, conferences. You know, places where everyone in the Australian music industry like congregates i suppose for a couple of days um mm-hmm. and then yeah i got into pr around that point and that was only for like three or four months and then the last two and a bit years of working in music for me was um as an artist manager and it was no one really taught me the way or no one was like you should be an artist manager it was me just almost like i was doing pr for a couple of bands and um out of nowhere they were just like do you want to manage us and i was like well I'm sort of already managing you, you know, just yeah. give me the title and just say that you're mine. That's what it was yeah. like for me. Sure. So. Taking ownership yes. of the work. Yeah. That's so cool. And what a natural progression through like just kind of being like the yes man in terms of opportunities, which is very similar to how I, how, how I've progressed through my career is just like going from one thing that I like and seeing another opportunity mm-hmm. and kind of building upon that. But you know, I, Music today, obviously still big for you because you have an amazing vinyl collection, which I'm very jealous of. (laughs) Do you use that as kind of your safe space and your like happy moments for when you're down or if you're having a bad day? Like what's a bad spoon day for you? A bad spoon day is literally just like this bed behind me. It's staying home or laying on that bed with um, my heat pack from the Spoonie Society that they sent me, which is really awesome. So hey, I that up. We, love, I, love, we love them. They're I, coming over in May to see us. They're flying to Perth. Oh, that's so awesome. Excited. No, they're, they're such a great, they're, they're a great brand and great bunch of individuals. But yeah, my bad spoon day is literally just like just laying on bed and not being able to move and not really eating much. And like mm. my toilet is just like, two meters from my room and using that like five, six times a day. And 
Um, like, I still view music as a positive for me, but I will never um, view it the same way as I did, like, two or three years ago. Um, yeah. I'm quite passionate about it. It is very prevalent in my life, as you can see. With, You know, I look at these records, God, like, 50, 100 times a day. Um, mm. And like, every one of these records in particular, like, on my wall, all, all, all sort of have their own story or have some form of attachment to it. And I yeah. think that's really it for me now. I don't think... People always ask me, will you go back and work in music? And it's kind of... It's kind of deep and there's a lot to it. And, um, but I don't think I'll, I'll ever go back and work into music ever again. And there's mm. a lot, there's a lot to it in the sense, like it was physically taxing on my body being like chronically Naturally. ill, you know, but also, yeah, there were just, um, <laughs> dodgy individuals and certain mm. things I never want to. Drama never, llamas. Yeah, we dramas, love them. you know, so, but no, Drama it was a very good time and I still view music. I'm quite passionate about it and it is. Like one of the, I think if we're talking about pillars of someone's life, then it is a, a pillar of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Totally. I mean, you know, we all need those things that we do that uh, let us escape from where we're at and kind of hold a, hold a moment of safety for all of us. And we all have it like, you know, music for you, I would say dance for you. And it, for me, it's photography. Or, That's so cool. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, you know, we all have like a creative outlet that kind of, allows us to not feel, you know, potentially as sick as we do or gives us those like good serotonin boosts that we need. Like, you know, we all need them at the best of times, let alone when you're constantly battling just to get through a day with some spoons left in the drawer, do you know? Mm. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a something that those of us that have invisible chronic illnesses can struggle with because you can burn yourself out quite quickly, um, both internally um, and external, um, both from being visibly fine, like looking okay, and feeling as though the expectation of you is to overperform past your level of ability because you don't look as sick as you are. Hey? So that's working in music, being able to like (laughs) overperform more than like you actually can. And sometimes like, like... for me, working music, like not many people knew I was sick or had much wrong with me, and it was—it's mm. so funny. I remember like when things started really blowing up for me on TikTok. Um, I purposely—I honestly, like, I'm not even going to shy away from the fact. Like, I purposely went through my Instagram in particular and just literally removed like a shitload of people that I didn't—not mm-hmm. that I did anything wrong with me, but it was more just being being like I needed for a start, you know. And if mm. these people yeah. really wanted to, to have anything in my life, and then. I loved every single person that I encountered in music. I really mm. did. But it's more just like if they wanted anything to do with me, they would reach out to me. And, like, I've had yeah. tons of people that didn't know I was sick that I encountered in music being, like, reach out to me in DMs, being like, I just saw your TikTok. Like, this, I never knew this was a thing for you. Like, you know, I have a family member that has this thing or I think it's incredible that you're talking about this. And it's like, well, yeah, so now you know that I am battling this and this is why sometimes, like, I didn't email you back or yeah. I was incredibly exhausted, you know, I didn't want to do this mm. or do that or it didn't, when you yeah. asked to buy me a drink, I didn't want to um, drink or something, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Totally. Absolutely. Explains it to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you wish that people understood more about you and your condition speaking of that those moments in your life so now in the position that you are now and the work that you've done with yourself over the last 12 months what do you wish people understood more about you and your condition the simplest way to put it is just how quickly like my day or like 
my condition or way of feeling can deteriorate in a matter of like an hour. Like I could be like, yeah. I could wake up and mm-hmm. have breakfast and do my medications and get in my car and drive down the street and on, on like pre-COVID or even when it wasn't as scary to walk and I could like go into my shopping, but in the middle of like the shopping center or the shops, I could just start to feel like my Crohn's flare up. And like when that's happening, I immediately have to think like, you know, like you said before, like where's the toilet? How long am I going to be yeah. at the shops for? Like, when I get home, like, what's going to happen? And then when I get home, it's generally, like, my day's been derailed. I just wish people knew that how quickly it is, not just for someone with Crohn's, but any kind of condition, just how quickly, like, a bad day for them can arise. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I really just wish that people understood about being sick or identifying yeah. as disabled or being a chronic illness is just how quickly, you know, a good day can turn into a... Not just a bad day, but a really fucking shit day. Yeah. yeah. And with no warning almost no as warning. well. No warning. And how, like, it's never going to be good days forever. Like, this, it, the whole thing, it's a chronic illness. We can't cure any of that. Like, yesterday mm-hmm. I worked a 12-hour shift. I got home. I got through my 12-hour shift, felt a bit off, and then I had the worst endometriosis flare-up I've had wow. since I was in hospital six months ago with it and septic and really sick. Mm. And I, like, I posted a photo on our page. I looked probably six, seven months pregnant. I couldn't stand up. I was nauseous, felt like I was going to vomit, had severe pains, cramping. Like, it was the worst, worst pain ever. But, you know, that was, I'd done a whole 12-hour shift and I was like, oh, this is wind-down time. I've just done 12 and a half hours. This is some me time. And then, bang, flare. And then that just wrote me off completely. Mm. And I had a list of all these things I was meant to do this morning. I didn't do any of them Mm. because I was like, nope, I changed my alarm when I was meant to get up. I snoozed it for an hour because I didn't sleep the night before because I was up sick all night. Like, And it just just changes so quickly. And uh, the anxiety around, like, you get over this, like, this will probably be a week flare. I'll probably get over it. I'll go back to the rheumatologist next week. Might start something else. And then I'll feel pretty good for a week. But it's that anxiety of like, oh, when's the next wave going to hit? Yeah, like, you can't really just – it's like – You can't plan life. It's not just like you can't plan life. It's more just like it's so difficult to – whenever you're having a good day and you're feeling really happy or a good period, it's so difficult to – even though you're happy and about celebrating those good times and you feel like you should, it's still like in the back of your head like, shit, I can't really celebrate being happy or these good times because – this could change in a matter of fucking 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. It's you so hard to fully, fully enjoy and be present. Totally. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because you're constantly on edge. Yeah. And that's what it is. And, it, and that's why it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Is that even though, you know, you can have good times, you're like, oh, oh is it five days? Oh, oh, am I getting sick? Oh. <laughs> for me, like, I, I get migraines all the time. And so for me, I can get, vi- they're called visual migraines or auras. Um, so my migraines come in stages and it's a very clear stage. So I, lo- I lose my vision. I feel weird, get all hot and bothered and then bam, headache comes and I'm vomiting. Yeah. But sometimes I only get the eye part. So I'm, I'll be at work and I'll be like, okay. My vision's going. Am I, am I going to fall over or am I going to be okay? <laughs> what, which one are we going for here? And you're like, oh, is it? No, that's okay. We're good. We're good. We're good for another hour. You know, and it's it's just that constant living of like that. How am I going to be today? You know, and it can get pretty exhausting for those of for those of us that have friends that don't understand. It can be very frustrating for oh. them. But I think the utilization of you know the spoon theory that we've spoken about previously on the episodes and just being open and honest with our inner circles is the best thing that you can do, and to involve them in it because until 
you allow someone into that vulnerable space of who you truly are when you're struggling, you're not going to be able to fully benefit from their friendship um, or fully engage for yourself. Like you owe it to yourself to allow people to help you. And that's what I'm trying to tell myself over and over is that I'm, I'm allowed to be helped and I'm allowed to allow people to help. Mm. Mm. And that's something that's really difficult when you're constantly trying to prove people that you're more than your condition or that you're more than your disability or your illness. And it's a really hard, it's a really hard line because you'll, you spend majority of your time trying to convince people that you're not sick because you can do, you want people to think that you can do things. Mm. And then you spend the other percentage of time trying to convince people that you are actually sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's this like, is real. Yeah, I, this is real. I, I know that I was. I know really, I ignored it last month, but it's a real thing. It's a real thing. But so we're all pretty, you know, we're in 20 somethings living with chronic illness and it can be pretty, as we've discussed over the last what hour, Shit. <laughs> pretty all consuming. Um, how do you find dating with all of this going on, especially as a guy, especially in Melbourne and with COVID and then Crohn's and everything else on top of it? How do you, how do you breach that conversation in dating or, or do you, or are you dating or? Where do we, where do we start? Where do we start? (laughs) Well, I feel, yeah. I often talk about a lot of things on my platform and I, but this is like the number one space that everybody loves talking about or interacting mm-hmm. with and commenting on. And I think it's probably like the number one question I've got, like how do you date with chronic, when, like when you're chronically ill? And it's like, there's no yeah. simple answer. There's no um, cookie cutter way or guide of being like, read this book or read this review mm. or read yeah. this, go and watch this person on TikTok or YouTube to figure out how to get a, a, a partner in life. You know, yeah. But I think for me, um, it has been challenging, but it's progressively gotten easier. And I think it's more just no one that I've ever really dated, in a sense, like gone on more than a couple of dates, has really been negative towards me opening up about my stuff. It's all been pretty mm-hmm. positive and accepted me. I have encountered like a few people that, without them actually telling me, it's more just the vibe that mm. I've gotten from them that have been like, I don't want anything to deal with this. You know, and I think you learn quickly what sort of signals or vibes they're giving off that it's not really something that I want to deal with. Um, mm. But largely it's been, it's been okay for me. I think like, if I'm being really honest with you, the, like one of the reasons that I started my TikTok was because it's like, and I, this girl was incredible. She did nothing wrong. Um, really nice to me. Like I felt um, like I wasn't really, like I wasn't not not really wanted. It was more just like I felt like there was other options that were better than me. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, one of the reasons why I started TikTok was because I got so sick of whether she want, admitted it or not, or um, I was so sick of um, being myself. And myself at that point was I didn't really like sharing my stuff and talking mm-hmm. about my stuff or making it um, apparent. Like the very beginning of um, any form of relationship with everyone. I think my way of posting on TikTok was being like, well, you know what? If anyone really wants to date me, here's my TikTok. You can see mm. what my life is like. You can see all my conditions or really what Harrison is like. And if you don't like that, then you don't have to message me back or you don't have to talk to me, you know? Yeah, sure. So my TikTok in a way was basically at the start, <laughs> like a dating profile. Was a, yeah, 
Love that. Just start filtering out the shit people. That's why I said yeah. Deshaun. I was like, now I'm just going to put in my like online dating app link, just the that. fucking link to the bloody podcast so oh. y'all can listen to my story before we and date. if you want to jump on that. then, fine. I have my, yeah. I have my TikTok um, link in like on my Hinge profile. It's up the, it's the See? very first I love price. that. I should do it. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. That's so great. What a quick way to filter the but, shit out. Yeah, but don't you also feel like with COVID and everything else going on, like when you have many chronic illnesses, when I also work full time, when there's things like COVID in the way, it doesn't actually make dating very easy God with no. all the restriction and not being able to actually meet people in real life. And then I find I have such little time for me as it is that I'm like, my time is me time and I need mm. to do 50 million appointments and 50 million things. And I actually just don't have time for somebody else currently. Mm. And if I do have time for you, I don't want to waste my time on filtering out the shit people. Mm. So I need some filters up. So I think the podcast, your TikTok, it's a great filter. You've got to bring there. like a certificate of completion yeah. have you, onto the first have date. You have you listened to all of the episodes? But on the other yeah. side of the spectrum, at least for me, I have... It's actually been quite a positive experience. I think people in a way where they actually have actually clicked on my profile because I've had a ton of people that have friends on Hinge that have been like, I've seen you on TikTok. I've seen you from this one TikTok. And I'm kind of like, well, have you actually clicked on my profile to actually seen me on TikTok? Mm. Or is this one mm. TikTok just popped up on your feed? Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have been like, oh, no, I haven't. And then they've gone through and they haven't messaged me back or something. Ah, or, yeah, um, gotcha. Or it's been on the other side, they've, they've clicked on it and been like, yeah, well, I've seen your stuff and it doesn't really deter me. I don't really care. I just find you really cool yeah. and the fact that you're talking about it is a very positive thing, you know? And Totally. I think I think as people, as like there are people that refuse to acknowledge things, they don't really care about other people, they don't want to talk about this stuff and they mm. quickly get weaned out. But I think the more, the older that you get, or at least from what I've encountered, the more mature people are and everyone loves to talk about themselves, but everyone loves to just talk about things. And I think, um, yeah, for me, the overall experience has been like, it's been a way for people to, to want to ask and talk, ask questions totally. about me, you know? Mm, so yeah. What an icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. Well, it's, it's, that's, for me, it's like, I have a mechanical heart valve. So like my icebreaker, if we're in like a, a quiet space, you can hear the valve ticking from like across the table. That's incredible. So, yeah, it's it's a wild ride. And there's some funny stories about people thinking I have a bomb on me or whatever back <laughs> in England. And so that, you know, it's an icebreaker. And, you know, I, I don't obviously, hence the podcast, I don't care about talking. Like I will happily divulge mm information about myself because not only it's a huge part of who I am yeah um two it's a it's an opportunity to educate someone else so that they don't become a douchebag in society um and like you know you you signing up for a mechanical you know a heart valve so like the crocodile from Peter Pan slash brain dead at some points slash (laughs) mechanical spine slash now a robotic hip you know if we feel like we like the terminator movies we're good to go you know it's my vibe so you know and i think for me uh trauma response but i make everything quite like funny comedy it's all about laughs all about the smiles and if you can't laugh at yourself in my opinion my therapist will say different if you can't laugh at yourself like come on it's funny. I lit- I have a clock in my chest. It's funny. It wasn't funny when I nearly died from it, but <laughs> now it's funny. No, I think now we're in that very safe space. Part of like like being sick. I think if you Absolutely. can't, I'm true. I think if you can't laugh about yourself or 
Um, exactly. It's it's miserable work already. Yeah. Exactly you right. <laughs> you don't have to make it more sad. Yeah. <laughs> don't bring me down. <laughs> I'm down enough. Ah, pick me up, please. All right. So at the end of our lovely chat, thank you so much, Harrison, for spending some time with us. Mm -hmm. So at the end of our podcast, we have a segment called Questions and Quotes. So this is an opportunity to spin the table and you get to ask Jess and slash or I a question, any question you like. What does the next sort of, I'm not going to say 12 months because 12 months is quite a long time in chronic illness land. But what does the mm. next sort of like six months look for both of you? It's wholesome. I like it. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, my next six months, well, I want to get find out a bit more about lupus and get on top of that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I was only diagnosed in the last two months. So I'm only just in the midst of treatment and everything. So I want to kind of learn a bit more about that, find out a bit more about that and how I control can control it just through lifestyle changes, although I'm probably doing them all, but I want to learn a bit more about that. Um, I'm also moving house in two weeks. So once I do that, my plan will be to maybe drop my hours at work by a little bit to focus some more time on my health because now I'm burning the candle at both ends. And With a bloody blowtorch. Yeah, it's not good. Um, <laughs> so I need to spend more time on my health. And so 2022, that was kind of the focus. So I think once I'm in the new house or my finances are settled, I think I'm really going to evaluate just my hours and focus a little bit more on me. And then I would like to say, I don't know if I'm will or I'm ready, but I would like to say that I will try and put some more effort into not just Jess being sick or not just work Jess because I feel that's all I am. I'm either sick Jess or work Jess and try and find a Jess that is has the time and the desire to want to date, to want to go out and to to do those things because at the moment I've just written that part off because it's the easiest part and I don't have it in my life currently so it's the first thing to go so I'm going to try maybe bring that in a little bit and focus less on trying to die or trying Trying to keep children alive trying not to die is the key part there yeah yeah so I think that'll be my next few months but Mm. yeah I mean it's not easy no, it's a lot. It's to a ask bit for. of a task, but she'll be right. Sorry, right, I'll be here to help you. Thanks, Dom. Um, so the next six months for me is I need to become more adjusted to my new hip that I purchased um, in November <laughs> uh, for free. Um, so I'm trying to get back into being fully mobile without aid. So um, wow. because of my connective tissue disorder. I have a really hard time in building strength. Um, And so now I have to try and build strength around a hip that is very mobile, but to the point that it doesn't become over mobile and dislocate because I have hypermobility. That's a real risk for me. So I have to kind of learn how to walk and build that muscle again. So it also will hopefully reduce my pain. Um, And then I'm actually going to be going back to work um in the beginning of february so not long now um to start an amazing new project for um western australia um for kids uh with rare and undiagnosed genetic disorders so i'll be putting my time and energy into what i think and hope will be a service that i wish that my Mm. little self had um so i'm hopefully going to start building that with some amazing people at the hospital um so and that's kind of 
And I'm also going to be doing a lot more um, internal work. So a lot of therapy uh, because this uh, surgery brought up a lot of things that I thought I had dealt with from mm. my previous stroke and stuff. So I am not as fixed as I thought I was mentally. Um, and so I kind of want to explore that a little bit more so that I can be um, just a, a better version of myself and less, and less harsh on myself. Because like you said, in terms of celebrating what you're doing, I think I have become very um, comfortable in ignoring achievements um, and ignoring the small things because that's just been a response to protect myself over the years. But I think, like you said, in terms of actually labeling yourself as someone with a disability or chronic illness is a huge step in that. And I think wearing that, um, with pride is something that I want to work on in 2022. That's incredible. Sure. That's incredible. Wow. But what a question. Thank you so yeah. much, Harrison. That was a wonderful made question. made us think. Yeah. I don't like being on the other side yeah, of it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on that, Harrison, yeah. do you have a quote or anything that helps you get through your tough days or something that kind of just spoke to you that you'd like to share or something that you like to share with other people normally, just something that gets you by? So someone that I met through TikTok and we're now quite close, it was the first comment that she ever left on my TikTok and it was a quote. And I don't know who the quote is by, but it's always that. We'll do a fun fact follow-up. Don't worry. We'll Google it for you. <laughs> the quote goes like this. A truly happy person is one who can enjoy the scenery while on a, t- while on a detour. But the fact that it was the first thing they ever commented on, my, on a TikTok of mine and I remember that their TikTok account got banned and I could never oh. find, I could, it was for something really lame. They never did anything bad. Like I, I, I they never did anything bad. But um, mm. I remember it was my way of going back and, and remembering it because I wanted to remember it to pull out a time when they were struggling with something. And oh, um, I remember at a point um, like, a, like a couple of months ago, they were, they were struggling for a bit and I'm like, okay, this is the perfect time to, Wait yeah. until the morning and pull out the quote when they open their phone, they'll see it. And I couldn't find the fucking quote. And I was so <laughs> mad because I was like, this is going to be so nice and meaningful. And I ended up just being like, so I wanted to send you the quote that you sent me, but since you've been deleted on TikTok, I can't find it. And I spent all night trying to Google, like, you know when like, you Google lyrics and you're like, what yeah. is like, It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Similar, but not the <laughs> yeah, same. That's what I did. Is this what you meant? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then it was about a week later, I went to bed and I woke up in the morning and she remembered the quote. And I'm like, you remember what I'm saying and you remember what I was trying to say. So now I've got it screenshotted yeah. on my phone as a way that I can't <laughs> forget it. I will never lose this. But yeah, I love, love it. A truly happy person is one who can enjoy the scenery while on a detour. And I just think like, that is beautiful. I remember even to this day, I still don't really know like what it fully means but i think that's the great thing about some quotes is that they're really open for interpretation but you know although there are shit things happening at like this one point it's like it's got you diverted off like your main path in life if we're getting really deep then it's mm-hmm. like it's about even just like looking around at that point and just trying to find not like a million things but even just like one small thing you know that makes you happy at that point so I am someone that appreciates everyone that I have in my life. And I, I don't mean that in a very just like throwing it out their way or a very simple way. I actually appreciate people more than they actually understand sometimes. And it makes me yeah. quite emotional. And it's like, it's, 
it's weird and i was saying this on a live the other day but yeah i think that i will i will forever remember this person now and i hope in a way that i never lose touch with this person just because they sent me one little random quote and now we're we're friends so yeah, that's so beautiful. But that's the amazing thing about the whole chronic illness community too. Like it gives us a platform. Like we'd never be able to do something like this and yeah. we'd never be able to meet and connect mm. with you and other people. It's so right. There is something really cool and humbling about it. Although things can be real hard, mm. it is something really nice to be able to connect with like-minded people who just care about other people and but, just want to be a kind person. Yeah, and, so just, nice. and just get it on a whole different level. Mm-hmm. It's that whole shared understanding of like i don't know your specific condition but i get I where get you're it. coming from yeah you're yeah so totally right. it's such a cool little community and the more that we get involved in it the more we feel at home and the same that we try and do for our listeners and our supporters so you know and like i've said at the beginning you're a part of that as well and i just think you know a combination we're all doing the right things for the right reasons. And I think it's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Harrison. We have loved our little chit chat. Um, We could keep talking. I'm not leaving. Oh yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, we might have to do another episode. I know. A fun fact follow up with Harrison round two. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But um, for everyone else listening, um, follow Harrison on um, TikTok. He does amazing videos. We'll put the tag in the description. But for everyone else, we will see you next week and have a great week. Take Take care, care, guys. Bye. Bye.